When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. And welcome back to the Three Technique College Football Podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm your host, Mitch Mason, joined on the ones and twos per usual by Mr. Trey Reeves. Trey, how's it going today? It is another piping hot day in the Metroplex. We were able to get out and play a little golf before it got too hot this morning. So escape the course right before it hit the triple digits and that's all you can really ask for in the middle of june yeah well good for you guys uh garrett a little under the weather so he will not be joining us for this billboard material episode Uh, you know we when we started these we wanted these to be kind of sprinkled in especially in the off season and talking about either breaking news or kind of highlights developments just around the college football world and uh, our friends over at the athletic published uh specifically stuart mandel Kings and Barons version four. And so, you know, we got to talking and thought, well, you know, he does this every five years, literally might be kind of fun to talk about here on the podcast. So uh, for those of you who don't uh, know what the Kings and Barons series is, maybe you've never heard of it. Essentially, every five years, Stuart Mandel uh, kind of assesses the, the health, the status of various programs in the college football universe and divides them into little fiefdoms, uh, little classifications, uh, starting with the Kings and working all the way down to what he terms the peasant class. Um, so what we're going to do is just kind of go over some highlights, some of the, the programs that maybe made our ra- uh, made us raise our eyebrows in a good way, some of the programs that we raised our eyebrows perhaps in a bad way. But of course, before we get there, have to tell you guys, thank you so much for the support. Uh, as we mentioned on every podcast, the numbers continue to grow more and more of you are experiencing the movement, jumping on board and supporting us. If you wouldn't mind, if you have not already, head over to Instagram and Twitter at 3TechPod. Drop us a follow there. We'll be doing a giveaway once we get to 100 followers on each platform. And if you'd like to write into the show, you can do that as well. You can find us uh, through the email 3TechPod at gmail.com. Trey, without any further ado... Mr. Stuart Mandel, I think he really outdid himself. This is uh, version 4.0. Uh, you know, he talks about the whole deal starting with Georgia and Georgia initially not being ranked highly enough in one fan's estimation. Essentially, the whole premise of that was that, you know, if you went to Montana and held up a Georgia football helmet, the majority of people would not know what the logo meant. So this, you know, one specific fan 
was miffed about that. He literally went to Montana, filmed a Incredible. YouTube video. If you go read the article, uh, which I can actually probably retweet uh, on our Twitter page, you'll see uh, this whole fan's experience. He kind of you know tries to throw it right back in Stuart Mandel's face. Georgia now has won a national championship since many years ago when this series was created. But as we start at the top, there's actually a new class this year, Trey. Alabama has been deemed the emperor, untouchably dominant by Stuart Mandel. Basically, he just says that they've been so historically good that they're in a class unto themselves. I think we pretty much agree with this, right? I mean, Nick Saban is doing things that we've never seen before in the sport. Yeah, rightfully so. If you were going to put anyone in that class, obviously it's Alabama. They're a step above even of even the rest of the top of the college football world, and I, I really don't think anyone can make a rational argument against doing that. Like you said, this is something that we've never seen in college football before, and Nick Saban doesn't show any signs of slowing down. So the emperor seems to be like he's going to stay on top. Yeah, it, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens over these next couple of years is, you know, Alabama has made a lot of news recently in the NIL scene. Um, Nick Saban, none too happy with the way that college football is going in that respect. But uh, also retirement is looming, you would think, for Nick Saban. And so maybe the next time that Mandel writes this series, maybe Saban's retired by then. Who knows? Uh, a lot of unknowns there, but no doubt Alabama, the king of the sport, even though they just lost the national championship, you look at what they do year in, year out, on the field, off the field, recruiting-wise, uh, they are the undisputed GOATs. Down to the Kings, which formerly were the top entity, uh, now they are just a rung below Alabama. Uh, the list here includes Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, and USC, the new king in this universe from five years ago when Mandel wrote version 3.0 is the University of Georgia and kings who have been toppled by their respective clientele, Florida, Florida State, Miami, and Penn State. Talk to me a little bit about Georgia here. It seems like this you know, national championship, this run at greatness has been in the works for a while for the Bulldogs. Um, and you know now they're they're finally being rewarded as one of college football's elite ruling class. Yeah, and they've definitely earned their way. It's not a given for no reason. I think I really liked how Mandel really laid out his argument against Georgia for the past uh, two or three iterations of this list, and just kind of back that up with you know here's why they are finally moving up to. What would have been the top class before he made a category just for Alabama, but <laughs> Georgia—they've earned it. They obviously the the national title last year is a culmination of a lot of recruiting work, a lot of infrastructure building, a lot of commitment to being one of, if not the top programs in the country. I think a lot of people would even say that if they were given just you know all things else being equal, I think a lot of people would choose to be the head coach of Georgia over Alabama just because of those natural recruiting grounds, maybe an easier schedule in the SEC East, at least in the current iteration. Georgia definitely belongs in Georgia, another school that isn't going anywhere. If you were going to buy stock in one of those teams on that level right now, 
obviously the price would be really high with Georgia, but I think you'd probably be the most confident of any of those teams on that level with Georgia. If you were just wanting to invest in a program or buy pretend stock in it. Yeah. They've become, you know, a mutual fund an ETF It's just stock goes up, you know, it it may have its bobbles here and there, but overall you zoom out and the, the upward trajectory overwhelms you. So uh, certainly feels like, a worthwhile investment. You know, everybody on this list makes sense. And, you know, Mandel writes that some will roll their eyes at Texas's continued inclusion and, and USC's continued inclusion as part of college football's ruling class on the field. They're nothing special right now. And they haven't been for the last couple of years. I mean, Texas has had one double digit winning season since they last made it to the national championship game in 2009. That was the Sugar Bowl victory over Georgia. Uh, USC, kind of same deal. They have not really been relevant in quite some time. They have been looking for a head coach uh, for, you know, basically since Pete Carroll left. Uh, it's It's been just a revolving door there in Southern California. I, I think Mandel's point, though, is when you look at the brand, what those schools are able to command as far as, you know, overall money that's coming in and out of the program, overall recruiting rankings, you know, I think Texas certainly belongs in that list. USC, it feels like they've coasted off that brand name for a long, long time. And their, yeah. you know, geographical spot in the Southern Los Angeles area, you know, getting uh, a guy like Lincoln Riley to to go and, and the amount that they were able to pay him, not only in just cash payment, but also things like jets and properties. I, I think they're, they're well-placed there. Football-wise, though, Texas and USC have have certainly a lot of ground to, to make up in order to be part of college football's elite. Yeah, and I don't know. Did we go over the full list yet? I can read it off just really quickly. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned it that. at the very beginning. Okay, gotcha. So to me, yeah, and if you want to make the on-field argument, that's the shot that you can take at Texas and USC, but at least they've won a national championship and played for national championships, plural, mm-hmm this millennium, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to get in, you don't have to go way far back in time to see that those teams being nationally relevant all the way up to the very top. My concern, I guess, with a a couple concerns with this list, if I'm nitpicking, you know, he does say Texas, uh, someone rolled their eyes at Texas continued inclusion, but if you have the power to orchestrate your own move into a better conference and send the entire sport into chaos, you are in fact a king. That can apply to a lot of different schools if that's the criteria sure. that you're using. I mean, so are Texas A&M and Missouri Kings because they orchestrated a move not 10 years ago that shoved the whole sport into chaos when they moved to the SEC. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to argue that Texas doesn't belong on that tier. Obviously, the brand, the recent success, um, even if the last decade hasn't been what Longhorn fans have wanted, the recent success is there and you don't have to go too far back to see that. I think what's interesting, if you were to tier these Michigan and Notre Dame, um, more so Michigan than Notre Dame, because Notre Dame has made the playoff. They have obviously the national brand, but Michigan is really interesting to me. We, we talked a lot about them on the expectations pod that just came out. When's the last time Michigan was really relevant? to the national title conversation. I know they went to the playoff last year and anybody can win when they get to the playoff, but 
Michigan's kind of been the laughing stock of the major college powers. I know they're the winningest program of all time. I know the arguments for Michigan, but if you were telling me, hey, you need to kick one team off of this list, I think I personally would pick Michigan. And I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, you know, Michigan, yeah, the brand is certainly one of the most you know recognizable brands. And, and that following, that fan base is – you know, just about as rabid as you could, you could have. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. They haven't really threatened for a national championship maybe since 2011 when they went uh, 11 and two under Brady Hoke, uh, you know, went to the Sugar Bowl. Before that, I mean, you know, you got to go back to the, the early 2000s. Lloyd Carr had a couple of double digit winning seasons, a Capital One Bowl appearance, a Rose Bowl appearance, an Outback Bowl appearance. So, yeah, they, they haven't I, – I, I wouldn't consider them certainly on the field part of college football's ruling elite. You know, they're my school that if I was going to pick one off of this king-slash-powerful entities list five years from now, I wonder if Michigan is going to be off that list. For all of the concerns that I kind of outlined, like you said, in that last episode, the expectations pod that we just released, the recruiting is not following – uh, their recent success on the field. Again, very, very early, but the vibes around the Michigan program with options like Michigan State rising up, with Ohio State just continuing to own the Big Ten, um, it doesn't, doesn't feel great for Michigan right now. As recruiting gets more and more nationalized, Michigan is at a, not a disadvantage, but they're at less of an advantage to go across the country, to go into Texas, to California, to the East Coast, and pluck whoever they would like to come play for big blue. So Michigan, I, I would say that I'm concerned about, you know, LSU, obviously they're in a rough spot right now. A couple of, uh, of bad seasons. We'll see if Brian Kelly can turn that around. But I think if I was going to pick one school that in five years from now, I would say, I don't know if they're a King, it would be, it would be Michigan. Yeah. And I think the, the thing about LSU, though, is that they've at least won in multiple national championships right. this millennium, right? 2007 and 2019. That can be said for every team on that list except for Michigan and Notre Dame. So even if you want to argue, you know, Texas and USC, they're not really relevant to that race right now. Michigan hasn't won a national championship since 1997. And mm -hmm. Notre Dame, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it's the 1980s, maybe 1988, if I'm remembering that date correct so not relevant or not competing at the highest level for a national championship again i think you're right i think they do still belong but in five years we could see those two fall off maybe for another sec team or another power stepping up on that next tier well and you know the other thing to note about this list uh is stewart notes florida florida state miami penn state all recent teams who lost to their kingdoms Hard to argue with any of those teams being taken off the list. Florida has had the most national success in the last five years, but you look at the state of the program right now, just an abysmal season, uh, final season under Dan Mullen. They lose in the bowl game uh, to UCF. Florida, they might still be the, the most premier program in that state, although Miami is certainly trying to make a comeback, and UCF has made a lot of noise. But I think I would have raised my eyebrows if Florida was was still considered a king. Florida State, Miami, Penn State, 
what have you done for me lately? I mean, there's there's no real national success over these last five years for me to say, yeah, they're you know an elite program right now. Would you agree? Yeah, but I, I just feel like the standard is different for different teams on this list. And, sure. you know, Stewart can make whatever standard he wants. This is just for entertainment and clicks and discussion. And I'm really grateful because it gives us something to talk about. But, off season. <laughs> exactly. But it does seem like the standard just is a little different for those teams. So, like, you're telling me that Florida is no longer a king, even though they've won their division multiple times. They've, you know, been one, maybe one win away from the college football playoff a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, won a couple national championships in the not-too-distant past. Um, and, you know, they've fallen off, but they haven't been going 5-7 and seven in a – in a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. conference, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know, it's, it, it's, it's just interesting. So yeah. obviously, you know, yes, I'm taking a not thinly veiled shot at Texas, but, and Texas brand is much better than the university of Florida, but right. the success, would you take Texas success over the last five to 10 years? Or would you take Florida's probably Florida's neither one is, you know, picking the cream of the crop here, but, I think I would take Florida's. I, I, you know, Florida State also won a national championship with the last within the last ten years, and obviously, they've fallen off a cliff since Jimbo Fisher left uh, Florida State for Texas A and M. But just interesting, just interesting that we would apply one standard to a certain set of teams and a different standard maybe to other schools that are winning maybe at a higher clip. Well, and you know, to that point, I think. If, if I was contesting with a school that is on the list and saying, hey, Florida should be in over them, it might be USC for me. Uh, yeah. You go back to 20, 2017 was the last year that, that Stu wrote this, and they went 11-3 and three in 2017 under Clay Helton, lost in the Cotton Bowl. Um, but since then, 5-7, and seven, an 8-5 and five season, and a loss, to the, uh, loss in the Holiday Bowl, a 5-1 and one weird COVID season, and then four and eight last year, where Clay Helton gets fired two games in, Dante Williams goes three and seven, um, you know. And it seemed like, to your point, maybe a shifting of the goalposts because Stu included them on this list exclusively, according to his explanation, uh, because they're able to lure Lincoln Riley away from from Oklahoma. So I, you know, agree. It, it's impossible to compare apples and oranges here. And I think that's very much what is, is happening uh, because it is an off season article, but no doubt that there's room for discussion. Let's move down to the Barons, the second tier rulers, as he terms them Uh, quick run over this list, Auburn, Florida, Florida state, Iowa, Miami, Michigan state, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn state, Tennessee, Texas, A&M and Wisconsin. The new Baron moving up is Iowa, the teams that lost their fiefdoms and have lost Baron status, Stanford, UCLA, Virginia Tech. Let's start first with the teams that lost their fiefdoms, because to me, that's the most interesting part. Stanford, UCLA, Virginia Tech. Um, at least in our childhoods and growing up, these have been three very, very relevant teams. You know, UCLA may be the least relevant consistently, but... You think back to uh, the David Shaw, you know, height of David Shaw's career at Stanford so far, Andrew Luck, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Virginia Tech, you know, going back to to Michael Vick, making them relevant, a surprise run to the national championship there in the late 90s. Um, 
you know, just everything that that hokey football has kind of stood for. Are you surprised? Do you agree with them? You know, not belonging to that that list that I just read off. Yeah, I think I do. I think all when you look at all three of those teams and you want to talk about a what have you done for me lately situation, none of those three have really lived up to the heights that some of the other teams on this list have uh, risen to. So like Stanford, very quick rise, um, especially under Jim Harbaugh and um, David Shaw continuing that for a few years, but they have dropped off a cliff in recent years and it doesn't seem like David Shaw always shows up on those top coaches in college football lists. And it just kind of, I've never really understood that. Like <laughs> I know he has a lot of struggles in getting talent there, but man, you, you had a really good thing going. It's just completely fallen off and you kind of seem asleep at the wheel a little bit. Um, UCLA, they've been struggling to get the magic going kind of similar to USC in recent years. I do think, they have a good coach in place in Chip Kelly who might be able to get them over the hump and maybe competing soon. But with USC in the same town, that's going to be difficult. And Virginia Tech, you know, I think Justin Fuente was the hopeful revitalizer of that program. It was starting to go kind of stale in the last years of Frank Beamer. I know we have the iconic meme of him holding his hands up triumphantly as they win three to nothing over wake forest i think but um beamer ball was running out going out of style pretty quickly and you know he's a legend and justin fuente was hired to reignite that magic and get uh virginia tech back to the top of that conference and it just didn't happen so until they can show that they can do that without a legendary coach i think that's the main thing holding up virginia tech yeah uh, we need another zero zero tie uh it feels like in virginia tech's future to to maybe jump start something special yeah with the program again you, you need you need an intervention from somewhere yeah justin fuente was supposed to be the savior right i mean the, not the savior but the guy who is going to build upon frank beamer's legacy to take them to new heights and he did initially that first year i think they went what 10 and 2 something like that yeah, I mean, great they, they jumped out of the gates amazingly well and then he yeah. just couldn't really sustain it and uh, obviously zero. a ton of challenges when in the past few years in college football but everybody's facing those challenges and fuente just for whatever reason could not win enough games in a struggling acc yeah uh, i mean not no recruiting success it was it was tough under fuente as a recent virginia tech stan i'm certainly glad to see him gone <laughs> I don't know if Brent prize the answer, but hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know keep the bus warm um, as as the Hokies head into 2022. The only team that I look at this and you know I, Iowa jumping up, I think makes sense with with what they've done recently. You could argue, you know what what has Nebraska done in the last ten years to be a Baron? But I tell you what, like it, you know if we're including the whole package, their fan base what kind of Nebraska football means to, to college football as a whole. I think to go any lower than at least part of the nobility would be a slap in the face to Big Red Nation. The team right. that I'm really concerned about, and listen, I know that they've had national success recently. Um, they won a national championship in 2010. Auburn, though. Mm. I, Auburn is a program that all signs are pointed straight downhill for me. 
they're another team that it's like, you know, if, if I'm looking at a, a team that is most likely out of this bunch to lose that kind of land holding status in uh, college football medieval times, tell you what, Auburn might be on really, really thin ice. Maybe that's an overreaction to Brian Harson and, and the not so good things he's doing over there right now, but I think you got to be worried if you're on the planes right now. Well, Auburn doesn't like to do things halfway. They're either going to win the SEC West and go compete for a playoff spot, or they're going to go three and nine. So we should know relatively quickly if Harson's going to stick around much longer. And you know, when I when I look at these this list of programs, I think a good characteristic of them to maybe sum them all up, they're just one hire away, right? They're just yeah. one good hire or one bad hire away. I think if you move back up a tier, you can look at teams like, you know, obviously those those teams in the Kings uh, category have struggled. Some of them have struggled to hire coaches in the past decade or so, but th- this tier especially, just one higher away. You, you saw what happened at Florida State when they lost Jimbo Fisher and they tried to replace him with Willie Taggart. It was a disaster. Um, cool. The yeah. jury's still out on um, the current administration there, but... Uh, other teams in this in this like scott frost is he the guy at nebraska we don't maybe and he has one more shot to probably prove that and then they're one coach away from maybe taking them back to being a power in that division or maybe moving down a level and so same thing could be said texas a&m they're moving up trending up because of hiring jimbo fisher i think tennessee is probably trending up as well but um one bad hire could send any of these teams just spiraling absolutely uncompetitive in their context or in their divisions. I'll tell you what, a credit to Tennessee. I mean, they've been so nationally relevant, usually for a lot of bad things that have happened to them. Um, but Josh Heupel, I did not see him as a potential savior of Vol Nation. He is doing great things on Rocky Top right now. And you know, we'll see. Tennessee might be poised to compete for second in the SEC East this season. Um, it'll be fun to to watch that story unfold for sure. Um, looking down the list here, I guess the last note before we move to the Knights and, and, and on down the list, uh, Stu notes, while unintentional, 15 of the 22 Emperor, Kings, and Barons are from the Big Ten, SEC, or Notre Dame. Uh, and he notes that that pretty accurately reflects the increased uh, consolidation of power amongst these two conferences. I, and I, I'm not, I didn't do the math. Uh, I'm assuming he's not adding Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC quite yet. But, you know, if you were to do that, it would be 17 of the 22 schools. So uh, just kind of an interesting note there. As much as people hate on the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, it's where the best football is getting played right now. Just, I mean, fact fact of the matter is. Um yeah. To the Knights list, now this is a ton of schools. I'm not going to read off this full list of schools again. I will tweet this out at 3TechPod if you would so like to go um, subscribe to The Athletic uh, and and get access to this article. I read it every single day. Well worth your time and and obviously our time here at the 3TechPod. They do note new Knights to this list. Kentucky, Minnesota, Mississippi State, teams that have lost their knighthood from 2017, Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, Syracuse, and Virginia top teams that stand out to me on this list and stood out to Mandel as well, uh, that Baylor and Oklahoma state could actually be barons by now. I think these are our knights who are ready to claim, 
you know, their their own land, right? They're they're ready to not just have land given to them by the ruling class, but they want it themselves. And the way that Baylor specifically is trending, I mean, they've got that early 2010s vibe again under Dave Aranda. They just locked him down through 2029. I, I think Baylor could easily be a Baron five years from now. Yes, but I, I think I do agree with them being where they are right now. Five years from now, especially in a new Big 12 with as wide open, absolutely. I think there's a lot of Big 12 teams that could make that jump. But are we going to call a team that has 1-11 in their bag um, a Baron? I, I don't think I'm ready to make that jump yet. No, so. Not yet. If you know Baylor, Baylor has had a rough go of it. I don't think there's a team that's had. Maybe I, I'm just not thinking of one right now. Is there a team that's had more roller coaster of a win and loss record than Baylor since like 2000? Because the depths of Baylor's uh, yeah. down years are bad. You're like bad. one and eleven, three and nine, two and ten. Their highs are extremely high. Winning Big Twelve championships, going eleven one, winning Heisman trophies. So. Yeah, I think they have the ability, especially in a Big 12 where the roadblocks are moving out of the way. But for right now, I think they're right where they need to be. Same thing with Oklahoma State. Um, Still need to show a little bit more consistency in winning those big games and getting to the big stage. Um, Other teams that kind of stick out to me, I think, you know, South Carolina had a nice run in the early 2010s, and they're maybe on the cusp of again behind georgia there's a lot of opportunity in that sec east they could make a jump um but yeah anybody else stick out to you i think arkansas is probably the other team arkansas and utah uh, garrett's not here to defend his beloved utes um you know perfectly placed where they are right now i, I think if utah decides to run the pac-12 for the next five years I think by default, you know, a couple of Rose Bowl victories, maybe a trip to the playoff. I think maybe then you have to consider Utah, Arkansas as well. I mean, look, one of the most storied programs in college football, they are, I think for the most part, a beloved brand around the nation, at least it's easy to kind of watch and pay attention to them. And unless you have a direct rivalry with Arkansas, I don't know if you, you know, just instantly kind of despise them. Like there might be some other schools that, you know, just across the country, it's like either you're a fan of them or you're not. Uh, I feel like Arkansas is an interesting story, but no, I, I think this class is is very, very accurately pegged. I think you know Georgia Tech, uh, Cal, maybe even Arizona State schools that are really going the wrong way right now. And you know, I mean, Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, Syracuse, Virginia, like I mentioned, they lost their knighthood. Uh, I tell you what, I mean, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech could lose their knighthood like next season if Jeff yeah. Collins can't get anything going. They are in such a shaky place. They're right there in downtown Atlanta. They have all very nice facilities, should have some amazing recruiting advantages, and they just cannot piece it together. So, you know, I think Georgia Tech certainly a program trending in the wrong direction. Arizona State's a mess right now. They've got a couple of different scandals going on. We don't know if Herm Edwards is going to last multiple games into the 2022 season. So, uh, you know, overall, I think, honestly, this is a list that I have zero, zero question about. I think it's, it, it could be your biggest changing list once again, five years from now, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you in 2027. The peasants <laughs> working class. Uh, I think this is, yeah, this is the final one. 
any <laughs> I mean, this is so mean too. Obviously, this is this is power five schools only. This is not group of five schools. Um, but I think Iowa State being listed in the peasants list, like, look, have they done anything just super nationally relevant? No, they haven't even had a 10-win season. But I tell you what, Brocktober was in full <laughs> force in the last five years. And the fact that they are still listed as a peasant somewhat offends me. I've never been to Ames, Iowa, would love to go. Um, but the fact that Iowa State is listed as a Power 5 peasant kind of bums me out. I think Wake Forest is is uh, probably the, the next team that should be considered to get that boost up. You know, very, very recent success. But that being said, Wake Forest is doing some incredible things right now with far fewer resources than some of these other schools. So, you know, other other than Iowa State and uh, and Wake Forest, though, it's uh, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah, I don't think there's really a lot of arguments to be made about any of these other schools. I'm right there with you with Iowa State, but we got to remember, I he Stewart's not looking at just recent success i think the brand of iowa state is definitely i know i if it you listen the the last four or five years have been extremely fun to follow the cyclones you never know what you're gonna get but they're a lot of fun to follow and they've knocked off some big boys in the big 12 and it's been a lot of fun to have them relevant in that race nationally though i just don't think we can be honest with ourselves and say yeah they need to be up in the same tier as teams that are fighting for new year's six bowls um new year's six bowl adjacent i guess um yeah i don't know i i don't think there's anyone else that i can really make an argument for if there's someone that i'm watching out to maybe move up the list in the next five years i think oregon state might be my wild card pick for that Um, jonathan smith trying to turn it around there yeah and Listen, they had a great year last year. That division, um, Oregon's still running that division for right now, but it is kind of wide open. There's not like a big, scary team at the top of that division, even though Oregon is consistently very, very good. They could take a step up and they could be, um, you know, it would not shock me if Oregon State reels off a couple of nine or 10 win seasons in the next five years. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that that sounds spicy, but it would the schedule is going to be opening up and they, why not Oregon state in that division to be right behind Oregon. So that would be my pick to move up in the next five years. Wake forest is another good one. Um, everybody else. I think we're hoping that we can make a bowl most years and um, just kind of going from there. I, I just pulled up the Oregon state state of the program, which was written a couple of weeks ago. And I can't quite seem to find the timeline here, but basically Oregon state is the only uh, division one FBS program to not recruit a four star. I think in like the last maybe 10 years. Uh, Yeah, this is, this is bad podcasting. I can't find it right now, but anyway, it's, it's been a long time since Oregon state has had even a four star commit. I know Jonathan Smith, former player for the Beavs, is is really trying to you know figure that out and and figure out how to bring more highly recruited prospects highly touted prospects you know from the home state of oregon but also from the surrounding area as well 
uh, to that program to, to allow the Beavs to compete, uh, you know, really on a national level. While Oregon still does run the Pac-12, uh, you know, at least in the interim, you know, Utah's right there. I think USC is going to be challenging. There's really nobody else. So right. there is a power vacuum that could allow another team like Oregon State. It was supposed to be Arizona State. They failed the test spectacularly. So I think if, if Jonathan can get something you know kind of cool going up in, in, in Beavertown, up in Corvallis, I, I think it would be just a really, really fun story to watch unfold. Um, yeah, don't, don't have any, any other issues or really any other comments uh, with the rest of this list. Um, you know, he made the note at the very end, there was some clamor to include teams like Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, uh, in this list, Houston as well, because they're moving into the big 12, but he decided eh, they're not there yet. Let's talk about that in, in 2027. So you are going to have kind of a new infusion of teams at the very least in 2027, but overall, um, you know, I think this was a really, really fun list to, to break down and, and to, you know, try and at least put teams, into these kind of unique tiers. Yeah. And you're never going to make every fan base happy with the tier that they put in. Like no one's going to be like, yeah, you did a perfect job. So really difficult thing that he tried to do. I think he did a great job. You know, the call to add Alabama in their own category, I think was the right one and could see a lot of movement between uh, now and 2027. Uh, they definitely in the King and Baron classes. I think that's where you'll probably see the most fluctuation between now and the next iteration. Yeah, totally agree. Again, I will tweet out this uh, article as well so that if you would like to go read it yourself, have not done that yet, uh, go check out the athletic. We're not affiliated with them, sponsored by them at all. Uh, I've been a subscriber to the athletic since they launched back in goodness, 2016, maybe. Um, so just a, an incredible team over there. They keep growing. They keep pumping out really, really cool stuff. So if you love college football, uh, their coverage of it is, um, is, is sensational and for a very, very affordable price. I think they're doing like a $1 for the next six months type sale right now. So at least go check it out. Yeah. $1 a month for the next six months. It's a, can't beat it. Can't beat the deal. I'm going to at Ari Wasserman and Andy Staples and tell us to give, Tell them to give us some commission off of this. Um, well, write in. Uh, let us know on social media, 3TechPod, what you think about this list. Where does your team fit in? Uh, are they appropriately ranked? Would you like to see them move up? Uh, you can also write in to the show, uh, 3TechPod at gmail.com. That will do it for this edition of Billboard Material for Trey Reeves. I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. Woo!